everyone. Welcome to Creative Connections. I'm Adam Deere and joining me today is artist Kirsty Nielsen. Kirsty, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad that you said yes. I mean, it would have been awkward if you said no, but... It would have been awkward. So you're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, as I said, you're an artist. What does a day in the life of an artist look like? Do you cartwheel out of bed and start painting or is it a bit of a bit of a drag? Well, I mean, look, I'm not a massive morning person, but (laughs) you do have to be really disciplined. I mean, I think in any creative form, you've got to create your own discipline, disciplinary actions. Um, Yeah. So I start my day at around 9.30 probably after I do a run and make a juice. Then I go down to my studio. So I live um, uh, in a house with my studio is downstairs as well. So I'm lucky that I don't have to travel. Um, and yeah, downstairs, it's just, it's a, it's a huge room and everything's down there. And, um, do you have like a special painting outfit that you put on? Yeah, I've got, I've got black overalls. Yeah. So I put on those, um, I mean, mixing paints, that's kind of the first thing I start by doing. And that always takes me a good I mean, 45 minutes to an hour sometimes just to mix the right colors. So that is always quite time consuming. Um, and then, I, yeah, at the moment I'm just being in isolation. I've just been doing a lot of different paintings. It's funny, the isolation definitely has steered my practice into something completely different, different than I thought, hmm. um, which is cool. Cause it just, you've had, I've had to learn to um, paint what's in the studio or paint what you're, what you can access. So it's, been interesting in that sense i've been creating lots of different works about um magic mushrooms that i've bought at the markets or just using my body and creating like really figurative works or getting wattles from outside and you native so that's kind of been my process lately that's kind of what i I mean for the day or i do a commission i've actually just finished a commission and then i finish about 8 7 30 at night or if I'm on a deadline, I'll do like really long hours and work maybe like, I mean, my longest was like a 17 hour day, which was ludicrous because I had like four hours sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, it, that's why deadlines, I mean, deadlines are good because it keeps you disciplined. Um, it's good to have end, end dates for stuff, especially just things to work towards. So yeah, it's good. I love my day. I've noticed that with creatives, it tends to be like if they have a deadline, that seems to be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, it, it is hard being disciplined, so it helps you. Yeah. Do you find you kind of just end up meandering if you don't have a deadline? Yeah, I can definitely just waste time and <laughs> get down there later and just be slower. So, um, yeah, definitely find it helpful. Yeah, cool. Treat it like a, a day job. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and was there a specific moment growing up or in your life where you thought, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do in, in terms of being an artist? Um, I mean, I always loved drawing. Like I remember from like as a young girl, I would always be drawing at my grandma's house. Like my mum would buy me like these books of how to draw animals and I would sit there and just go through the whole book and draw everything in the book till I'm finished. And then she'd have to buy me a new book <laughs> and I'd do that and then I'd do the next book. So I just remember always loving drawing. I always did it from when I was really little. And a funny story, I 
Um, I think I must have been about 12 and I went to my nanny's place after school and I did a portrait of her. Like, so she sat for me and I did a pencil drawing of her and me being, a, you know, a realist artist and always been out of see detail. I did all her wrinkles and yeah. the rollers in her hair. Like, so she had all the rollers in her hair. And um, at the end I showed her and she was like, oh, I look hideous. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And I was like, that's fine. And so I just remember that response and it was just, yeah, it was just really funny how I always obviously could see that detail in at such a young age. So I just had that natural, what, well, yeah, that, that just, I naturally was that way as a creative. So mm. yeah, it's funny, but yeah, I, I feel like I always, yeah, I loved it when I was little. So has that been a challenge to kind of find some balance between detail and I don't know, some kind of aesthetically pleasing look? I mean, yeah, I definitely, it's like anything, the more you practice at something, the better you get. So the more I practice portraits, the more realistic I think I got. Um, so yeah, I definitely try and make it as real, the, my older style, the more realistic as possible. And yeah, just the more I worked at it, the better I got. I went to art school straight after high school. Um, and that's where I really learned how to be an artist and be, that was just the best training. Um, and you're under the best teachers. So that was like just invaluable. Um, and yeah, so after that I actually studied fashion design because I thought, Oh, there's no way I can be an artist. Cause that's not even a real career. That's not even a real job. It's never pushed. It never seems like an option. I thought I had to have the nine to five. So, um, yeah, I studied fashion design and fashion business. And then eventually I just felt so called to be an artist. So I got, I just quit everything and pursued it full time. And then that's when I really took off in terms of developing my skills and really gaining that knowledge. Cause you just, you're soaking in it every day. And that's what you have to do. If you want to get good at your craft, you just have to sit in it and soak in it and push and work hard. Um, and you will get there in the end. So yeah, I think the more I did it, just the better I got at detail. And so how old were you when you decided to go full time? It was about seven or eight years, probably eight years ago now. So I can't do the math. I'm 32. <laughs> you can do the math. <laughs> so you were 15. <laughs> like 20, 20 something, 26 yeah. or something. I don't even know. Yeah, cool. And I guess that's a pretty good age when you sort of that around 25 is a bit of a shifting period, I guess, in, in understanding who you are. So that, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and have there been any mentors that have kind of stuck out to you during, during your career or that have really helped you along the way? Um, it, I mean, yeah. Solo? No, I think you really need mentors, especially when you're young and early on in your career. Um, and especially like I'm someone that's really developing. I still feel like I'm right at the beginning of um, what I know I'm capable of doing because I've gone through such a change of styles, like going from really hyper detailed, realistic, relying solely on photographs to now photographs. I don't touch photographs and I completely just create what's in front of me. So working predominantly from life and just using your imagination and creating from that creative space is, is your mind. Um, so in that sense, I feel like I'm almost starting again. Um, and that's been about a two year, two and a half, three year process so far. Um, so along that time, yeah, I've had really good mentors, 
really encouraged me, especially to not use photographs and not rely on ph- photography as an artist, because that's why we have photographs. Um, we shouldn't be having to copy and replicate. Like we have to, as, as artists, um, take what we see in front of us and push it into something contemporary um, because that's how you're going to be recognised and create your own your own visual language. Um, that's really important. Um, and that's only comes by really hard work and creating and making mistakes and making bad paintings. Like it's okay to make bad paintings and I had to really learn that. I'm such a perfectionist. It was really hard for me to make a painting that I didn't like and be okay with that and put it down and let it sit there and stare at me for a month and then pick it back up. So some paintings of mine have had like nine lives. Mm. Um, but my mentors have really been like, that's fine. Like, and they're obviously not um, <laughs> Christians. So they're like, you got to wade through the SHIT to get to the gold. So in other words, it's okay to go through that because you'll eventually get to the gold, um, which is actually good advice because <laughs> it does. It gives you... <laughs> Um, it shows you how to persist in something and how to really um, fight for something and fight for a painting. And it's okay to let it sit there and um, not, you know, touch it for a bit and then you pick it up later and then you might just get it. So um, they're all artists in the industry and they're all very um, Archibald winners sort of vibes. And that's just been a natural um, progression, um, they, it all happens quite naturally. So yeah, that's just the key. And it is about who, you know, I think a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and when you get those natural, uh, you know, mentor student relationships, um, it's important to, I think, hold on to that. And yeah, but also it, you can get a lot of different opinions and advice and at the end of the day, you go with your gut and what, um, yeah, what you feel is right to do for yourself. Um, yeah, was it difficult? Yeah, I definitely have some great... kind of constructive criticism. Given yeah, the... but I feel like I'm really, I feel like I'm good at taking it. Um, I feel like I'm like a sponge. Like I want to learn and I actually want to be the best I can. And if you want to be the best you can, you have to be open to criticism and you have to be open to people saying, you know what, that painting's not great, that line's not great, that you can do way better than that. And it's hard. And I've had a mentor tell me that he's really honest with me, but he's one of the best in the country. So I, I trust his judgment and I trust mm. his um, opinion. He's, he's older than me. So he's walked through it and yeah, it's, it makes it more when you do do something good and they really dote on it, you know, you've done a really good job. So then it's even more rewarding hearing that compliment, but you just have to be okay with it. This art industry, the creative industry in general is so, um, cutthroat one minute you're hot one minute you're not one minute you're in one minute you're out um you just have to be okay with it it builds a thicker skin within you and it builds that drive and that fire to keep fighting for what you want and what you think you deserve so um you know I've had when I was at the um my first Archibald entry like I had a negative article written about me and the painting and I I cried at first (laughs) but after the first one, I think there was a second one. The guy was just ripping into paintings that had big heads and he was just really having a go at that. And That sucks. So did you start doing paintings where everyone had tiny heads? <laughs> yeah. Then he probably <laughs> ever got that. But it's too small. So, 
Yeah. But that must be, so, yeah, I can imagine that being yeah, really I think after, because it's so personal. Like your work totally. is personal. And they're saying your name in the, in the newspaper. And it's like, I haven't even met you. And you're literally having a go at me, calling my work this, calling my work that, having a go at Gary McDonald, who, was, who I painted. And, yeah, it's so ruthless. It's like, wow. Like, but that, it was good because it gave me my first taste. So like I said, I did cry. But then once I got over that, um, anything else I read, which, look, there's literally been hardly anything, but if there is anything that's slightly negative or whatever, it just kind of makes me laugh now and it, it makes me think, wow, well, if you feel the need to say anything negative about me, it must mean I've done something right because you feel the need to tear me down. Mm. So in a way it's kind of a compliment. I kind of don't care now. <laughs> cool. Uh, and you did a solo show in 2018, The Sound of Silence. Was that part of your kind of breakaway from your previous style? Yeah, definitely. And what um, sort of triggered that? Um, um, well, I just signed to the gallery, um, and I was going to have my first solo show. So I knew I was working towards that. Um, and what was happening with me at that time was, um, I, I've, I'm also a pianist. So I play the piano since I was five years old. I've played and I've always, um, like I said, I'm a perfectionist. So if I'm doing something, I'll do it and try and be the best at it. So I was doing up to 30 concerts a year. Um, I reached high levels at a young age, etc. Um, played at the opera house a couple of times, not on the main stage, but in the back rooms. Just in the car um, park. Yeah. Yeah. Sit out the front, set up a keyboard. No. <laughs> um, so where was my train of thought going with that? Um, yeah. So I, yeah, was a quite a serious pianist and because of that, it brought on a lot of anxiety and that's a whole other story, but um, which carried into my adult life. So, I often pulled, drew, drew on that experience and those feelings to create work um, at this time. So I started creating, and also my um, piano teacher had, who um, taught me since I was five years old, um, had just passed away, which was really hard on me because mm. um, she was sort of like part of our family and she suddenly just died and had a, I think she had a stroke. Um, and... I, I was so distraught by that, by what had gone on. And I sat there one day and I cr just cried my eyes out as I was doing this little painting of a piano. So I started painting this little piano and it was sort of like me grieving the loss of her. And I had, um, I think Chopin piano music playing on in the background. And it was just this moment of grieving for me and grieving the loss of her. And I created this little piano painting and I just thought I should develop this more and paint more little piano paintings. So that's kind of what I did. And they're, they're in my show. Um, yeah. And just using my piano upstairs, I've got a grand piano. So I used that and just really warped and pushed it and pulled it. Um, yeah. I'm very influenced by certain artists like Francis Bacon, who just really manipulates his objects. And that was so fascinating to me when I started looking at his work more intricately and, um, I think going from being a perfectionist to painting everything I could see to then manipulating and warping it and pushing and pulling it, that became really interesting and fascinating. So I actually loved creating these little paintings. Um, so it was comprised of pianos, um, self-portraits and bunnies. So that was my first body of work. And yeah, it was I wanted to ask, fun. where did the bunnies come from? Why are the bunnies, Kirsty? 
<laughs> Why the bunny? Um, I mean, that's a great question. Um, do you know what? I just had this vision one day of one of them. And sometimes you get that. Sometimes I get that. I'll see a painting really crystal clear and it will just come to me and I'll literally paint and execute what I see in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're just painting blind and eventually you get there, but you never saw what it's going to look like in your head. Um, so I just had this vision of this bunny and it was the, the painting, which is called the throne room. Um, and I saw that. And so I just painted what I saw. And then same thing with the, the other bunny. I can't even remember what it, something about the emperor. I can't even think of the name of the painting, but something with the orange background, the bunny's side on. I also saw that, but I just kind of painted what I saw. And then I just decided to incorporate them into the show. Cause I think I thought it added quite a cute little fantasy, um, mysteric, um, almost circus like element to the show. So yeah, I quite, I thought it just went. So I just put, put it in the show too. <laughs> and Kirsty, you were a finalist for the Darling Portrait Prize this year for your portrait, uh, your painting of Ida Buttrose. How did you end up working with her? It just seems random. Yeah. Um, so all my contacts, so people, people that I want to approach to paint, I, um, it's always through someone I know who knows them. Um, so I've got a friend, um, who used to work for the Sydney Morning Herald and she's just got a lot of great contacts. So she'd actually interviewed Ita. And so I just asked her, I said, can you, I'm really interested in painting her. Um, I wouldn't have a clue. She'll say yes or not, but cause that's half the battle is getting them to say yes. It's finding a contact talk to them and then it's them saying yes. Mm. And then it's like, okay, how am I going to portray this person? Um, but it was literally just through my friend and I just emailed her assistant. Well, I emailed Ita and then Ita must have forwarded that onto her assistant. So her assistant got back to me. And then it was a long, it was a few months of trying to work out if we, if she's, if we're going to do a sitting or not, when can she do it? It was a few months. Of, and so I was sort of not sure if she'd said yes fully or not. And then she's, when we set it in the date last August, I was like, great. So I had two sittings with her. She came over to my studio twice. Um, spent, took time out of her Saturday busy Saturday. I mean, she's the chairwoman of the ABC. So it's a huge role. Um, she's an incredibly iconic woman. Um, and just a superwoman. So I was thrilled to, that she said yes. And that, um, yeah, she came over and sat for me. And is there anything that specific that guides you during a portrait sitting? Because I mean, as you said, she's this iconic figure in Australia. It's your part of your role is to capture various elements of her essence like Mm. what what sort of guides you in that process um i mean after they say yes i mean you have an idea of how you want to paint them before because that's sort of then that motivates you to ask them to sit for you as well but afterwards um it's just sort of that connect you, you figure out what's that connection sometimes there's this deeper connection you have with that person and you want to sort of bring that through or sometimes like with her, it was just, she's such a strong, powerful, iconic woman who's like a legend in Australia. Um, I love everything she's done as a female. Like she's really forged the way um, for like the working class woman and everything she achieved in her life was so incredible. Um, Starting publications, you know, heading up those publications at a young age um, working for the Packers and the Murdochs and really working her way up to 
what I think is her greatest role yet, being chairwoman of the ABC. I wanted to bring that forward. That for me is a no-brainer. So I wanted to just paint her in a really strong way. I wanted the background to be simple. I just wanted her in a black suit, which is like the power suit, which is often typical of like what men would wear, but now it's like both wear. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted her to be strong. And um, she, I mean, she's such a beautiful woman. Like she really is. She's 76 years old and she looks like 50. (laughs) So like I, I knew, I just wanted to get that beauty across as well. And just like I said, simple background, strong pose. And that was it. Is there any, portrait or any paintings that you've done that that have really stayed with you you know have you had a moment where you've you've done a portrait or a painting that's just kind of stuck with you more than others hmm it's a good question um as in like emotionally kind of stuck with me yeah or it's just kind of made a an impression on you that's that stayed mm. that's a big question i mean probably um I mean, definitely the one I did of Gary McDonald, which was my first Archibald finalist painting. Um, because we share the same groundings of having um, hideous anxiety mm-hmm. and for him it was anxiety and depression. But when I saw that there was a show on the ABC about him and he was really open and honest with how what he went through in terms of mental health, his mental health struggles... Um, and because I connected with him so much, that's what made me want to paint him. So um, because of that, I, yeah, I look at that painting and I see like, because obviously he's not going through that now. So I see, but I, reading and hearing about what he went through, like I can see it in the portrait so much and I can see so much of myself in that mm. and just the struggle of mental health. Um, and where you can take yourself, especially as an artist, because I find we're really self-critical of ourselves, and I know I definitely am. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can be our own worst enemy. But, yeah, so I definitely connect with that a lot. And also, I mean, a painting that I have I've finished, but it's not no one's seen yet. It's my Archibald entry for this year, but obviously the Archibald's been postponed, um, which I painted Ita as well because I thought I may as well utilise her for more than one yeah. <laughs> portrait. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, but it's a completely different style. It's it's more my newer style and it's, um, yeah, I probably can't say too much about it, but I really resonate with that painting. So, yeah, one day you'll see it. <laughs> yeah, cool. I look forward to it. <laughs> Not too far future. And you've been on quite a few missions trips to Cambodia. Have those trips influenced your work in any way? Yeah, definitely. And I think the more I'm developing as an artist, the more I'm allowing it to influence my practice. Um, So I've been three times to Cambodia working with an organisation who works with NGOs on the ground who rescue girls from sex trafficking. So um, the latest trip we went on, which was last November, so November 2019, we took girls on a retreat um, and it's it's almost like therapy and play therapy and art therapy for three days. Um, it's really fun and it just gets the girls out and about and um, create, uh, bringing more awareness to what's happened for them and encouraging self-worth and whistling value into them. And, yeah, it's a really beautiful retreat. Um, we give them gifts, et cetera, et cetera. So 
but some of the girls were as young as six years old and we literally thought they were there as like they were kids of people and they said no they've been rescued from trafficking and it was just mind-blowing it just blows my mind when you see it in real life it's one thing to read and hear about something but when you're confronted with it and it's such a horrific thing it just you can't help but respond and I think as Mm. artists as any creative we have to consider the world around us and respond to it that's what makes really interesting art of whatever your craft is if you're a writer or if you're a dancer if you're a poet if you're an actor drawing from real life experiences is and keeping it really authentic I think is really important don't try and be something you're not just be who you are because people will relate to it more than you think um so yeah definitely I, I recently created this triptych of so which is three paintings but it's the one artwork so the middle painting is a self-portrait and the two on the left and right are just a body of a girl but once again it's kind of manipulated a bit and distorted um with no head but just the presence of a man had to be there so there's a tie mm-hmm. they're wearing it and they're standing on a box and it's kind of like they're in a room I guess you could say there's gestures of um, of people in the background um, and it's titled the judge and the jury so I had the title before I had the painting um, I knew I wanted to do a trip ditch and I just wanted to respond to what I experienced which is such the legal system over there is is so um, corrupt and so many cases don't just either get thrown out or bribery is involved or um, it, it's just a bad legal system. So, um, so many cases, yeah, they don't get the justice that is deserved um, and the punishment. I've just heard horrific stuff and it just blows my mind that this stuff isn't reported on really and doesn't make mm. front page news in terms of the Western culture. So, I thought, well, if people aren't going to talk about it, I'll talk about it. And this is my platform to have a voice. So whatever your platform is, use it to benefit something and someone. Um, It has to go beyond you at some point. And so, yeah, I wanted to sort of just depict, um, yeah, what I experienced. So, yeah, I I think more and more it'll keep influencing my work. And, I mean, it has to. When you experience something so confronting like that and you hear that the stories are just beyond anything you can imagine and then you meet the girls and you see them and you just look at them and see what they've been through it just completely breaks your heart so it's very important as look it just depends what kind of artist you want to be some artists are very happy just sitting in their lane doing what they're good at sticking with that selling work um that's great they don't really experiment too much they don't go outside their box they're happy doing what they're doing and then there are other artists who I feel like they're constantly evolving, constantly doing something new to your craft, pushing your practice into something new and contemporary, even though it might take a while to get there, even though it might be crap at first. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's the kind of artist I'm just naturally gravitating towards. Um, and I want to, I want to say what people won't say. I want to be a loud voice for the voiceless. I just want to do big things because why not? We've got one life we've just got to go for it, not hold back. Absolutely. And is there, as you were saying with that work, the judge and jury, will they be a part of a, an exhibition coming up or are you putting anything together in the, in the near future? 
Um, so I've entered it into an art prize. So yeah, it's just a matter of seeing whether that gets in or not. But yeah, I'm gonna keep entering it, and if it doesn't get in, I'll enter in something else this year. There's so many portrait prizes um, in Australia, so yeah, I'd love it to get hung to get seen. Um, not for my recognition, like it can say anonymous for all I care. I don't care about myself, but just for the larger topic at hand. So um, yeah, so yeah, I hopefully it'll be seen and be in a show at some point. And so what's next for you? Is there anything you're like looking to in the future? I mean, I'm working on a body work at the moment. Like I said, I'd love to have a little show at some point and show that. Um, I mean, it's just constantly developing and constantly learning. And Mm. uh, I don't know. I don't think that far ahead. I'm not someone that has like, I know what I want to achieve in five years. I have no idea what I want to achieve because I have no idea what the next five years holds. I think in a way, in a way, like I've, I've achieved more than I thought I could. Um, like you kind of think, Oh, you'll never get into the Archibald. But then I've been hung twice um, out of, I think five times entering. I don't even remember five or six. Yeah. And so that in itself has opened up so many opportunities and I've met so many incredible people. Um, you know, you kind of, I kind of went from being a somewhat big, biggish fish in my own little pond to then being like a tiny fish in the pond of whales. So I think that's good. You have to always be aspiring for something. And, um, it's good to have people that are more, uh, advanced probably isn't the right word, just accomplished and, uh, experienced than you. So you can learn from them. I think that's, really great as an artist to always have people that you aspire to be like around you. Um, so I think just more of the same. I just want to keep entering prizes and, um, painting, like painting things that aren't necessarily comfortable. I want to paint things that people question and that just reflects me and my process and my journey. And, um, yeah, things I experience and just not stay safe. I think it's really easy to stay safe and I just want to blow that out of the water and not stay too safe <laughs> um, despite people's expectations. Cause I think people, like, it was hard to go from being really realistic to kind of doing what I'm doing now because of people's expectations and I'm such a people pleaser. So it was hard to think like, Oh, they're going to think I'm not good anymore because I'm not being super detailed. Is are they going to think this is not as good? So that really played on my mind for ages but then, yeah, you just reach a point where you you just don't care what people think. And I think that's a, in, a, in a healthy way. It's a healthy, at a healthy point of not caring what people think because it stops you from otherwise being who you really are. Brilliant. Well, Kirsty Nielsen, I think that is a perfect place to wrap up. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you like and follow Adam Deer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And join me next week on Creative Connections.